With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hello, friends. Ed McGrogan here in what was a warm and tender Manhattan, New York. Down south in Augusta, the greens are manicuring to a verdant glow, both the putting surface and the champion's jacket. A swallow cranes his neck from a moss-colored limb, and the azaleas awake from slumber, wearing their Thursday best. And as we amble to historic Butler Cabin, a waft of pimento cheese cuts through the Georgia air. It is the beginning and the end of the Masters. It is Masters week in more ways than one, as no doubt many of you know. Uh, Before the golf tournament begins on Thursday, we will now look at the recently concluded Masters events that took up the whole month of March in tennis. And Steve, you are actually still in Miami where um, you just covered the last one. So maybe maybe I'll give you kind of the, the first word on kind of maybe your overall takeaways, I guess from the month in, in all, because, you know, we had the same champions at both. Yeah, I guess it was a, it was a really consistent month, um, on the men's side, you know, like, I guess it's a little bit the opposite of the men and the women. You had some, somebody doing pretty much the same as he's been doing for three years now on the men's with Djokovic and the women's, you had somebody really hasn't done much for the last three years. Um, Victoria Azarenka, even though they, they're sort of similar players, um, fairly similar in age, always really good on hard courts, always really good at these events. Um, you kind of feel like, you know, Djokovic is obviously num- number one now, and this didn't change anything with that, but you sort of think the Azarenka winning the double really changes the women's um, season, you know, really cha- uh, sort of throws something new and, you'd have to say, good at, in, into the top of the top of the season gives it a, a little more drama with with Azarenka moving up to number five and probably you know up to number two sooner than later she's already number one in the race for the year yeah and I think that what we're seeing now is perhaps what a lot of people thought we might have seen last year before Serena Williams really put a quick end to that going but it's really with Azarenka kind of getting back to where she belongs is what I think so many people have been waiting for her to do. Um, it, it's been a good year plus, uh, really almost two years, um, of kind of really just wondering where this player who 
as I think you've put quite often, is really the, the, the true and perhaps only rival to Serena, even with, even with Maria Sharapova, you know, excluding everything that's recently happened, you know, the, the wins and loss, the wins were never there against Serena. And quite honestly, the challenges weren't either. Azarenka, even in defeat, has given Serena uh, really the, the stiffest opposition before. And, you know, even when we were, even when we were talking just before the podcast, we were, you know, you and I were just saying the two champions and you actually slipped up and said Djokovic and Serena. It's been, it's been that long since we've really had to talk about anybody else at the top. Um, and I do think that this, you know, this run really does position Azarenka so well going forward. Um, I think, honestly, in my opinion, it would be a bit of a surprise given where we're seeing Serena right now if if Azarenka at one point or another doesn't even make inroads on that on that top ranking there's a lot to be uh played the slams are a different ball game but you have to kind of you just have to like what Azarenka is is putting forward I, I like her her attitude as well with this I think she rightfully believes that this is where she belongs and wants to stay there yeah it was a big month in that she beat Serena um she beat Muguruza who has been you know, a big challenger who is who seemed to be almost taking her place at the end of last year. She has her old coach, Sam Sumick. She was up to number three in the world. We were talking about her kind of as the new challenger for Serena, but she hasn't, you know, that hasn't proven to be true. Azarenka beat her. And then Azarenka beat Kerber, the only woman who's beaten her this year at the Australian Open. She, you know, also beat her in Miami. So, so in that sense, it wasn't just that she was winning matches. She was beating other people in the top five. And you know, you could hear it in the way she talks. She was talking about how she, you know, you really rarely hear anybody claim to be a legitimate rival of Serena's. But Azarenka did that at this tournament. She said she thinks she she has a rivalry. She, you know, she, at least from her point of view, she sees it that way. And I think, I think she, you know, is positioning herself to, you know, to really challenge Serena and, and using Serena as a as a kind of inspiration, as a benchmark for her. Um, I don't think anybody else has really kind of thought of themselves that way besides besides Vika. So, you know, all of that is good news for her. Yeah, and, and you know, with Serena, obviously, I think such a big part of this. I mean, <clears throat> where do you kind of take – where do you kind of stand on Serena after this month? It's, it's not as if she needed to win these events to prove anything, but um, it, it's obviously – it's obviously such a departure from what we've seen very recently from her um, at at pretty much any tournament, um, and, and I I sort of kind of wondered, you know, maybe maybe did you know going into this year, you wonder what could possibly motivate Serena at this point. Uh, there is the Slam record, of course, which is still out there, but even from kind of a week to week basis, and I wonder perhaps if Azarenka's sort of challenge maybe. Um, you know, kind of flips a bit of a switch on her. I, I think it's a pretty interesting uh, next couple months for that reason alone. Yeah, I think that's actually good news for Serena. It gives her somebody in particular to look for. Um, I think we did wonder at the beginning of the year about her motivation, but it seemed strong in Australia. She didn't win the Australian Open, but but I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like she was tired of t- tired of it. She didn't show her age any at all. Um, it's true she hasn't won a tournament this year. She's lost as many matches as she lost last year. I think you, I think you can't know really what's going to happen with her because 
you know, two years ago we saw her lose at three straight Grand Slams, and we started to think, okay, maybe this is this is the beginning of her decline, at least from number one. And then she won, she won at least four straight after that. So, so you don't know. From that standpoint, you don't know what she's going to do next. But also, she's older now. You know, she's 34, going to be 35. Each year, it gets less likely that she's going to bounce back and and win a lot of titles in a row. I would say the two good, the two things that will be good for her the, is chasing Steffi's record and trying to beat that. I think she wants to do that. And the and Azarenka making a comeback that'll give her a, somebody in particular, you know. To, to focus on. I think those two things will motivate her enough and, and may help her through the rest of the year if, if she's having any, you know, any problem with motivation or, or, or not feeling like she's playing as well. How about the runner-up in Miami, uh, Svetlana Kuznetsova, someone who uh, I, I think you could draw some comparisons to any number of player it, players in terms of, you know, Perhaps we 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 don't. Perhaps erratic is the right word, but she actually has been kind of, you know, it, it, she's been she often does find her way in bigger tournaments. Still, um, toward the later rounds, someone that remains, you know, and it's not really. I'm not really thinking about overall prospects with her. I think it was just nice to see the kind of game that she at times possesses it's she i think brings some comparisons thinking about uh old buddy of hers Murat Safin just someone who you know absolutely lethal two-hander when it, when it's connecting really does give us um kind of a look at uh you know tennis in a in a in a really uh a really efficient way when, when she is kind of on, on target and uh, it's really kind of something to watch. I, I was, I was pleased to see, you know, 10 years after she wins Miami to uh, kind of return to that and just, you know, still, still only 30 years old, but I thought it was a, obviously a nice tournament for Svata. Yeah, it was good to have her back. Um, she's has a good personality. She can have a great game. You know, when she's playing well, she, when she's really determined, like she was in a few of these matches, she seemed, you know, it, it was, she was just determined not to lose. And, and, but then again, you saw the other side in the final when she just really didn't show up. She didn't have much left. It had been a, it was a tough week. You know, it was hot the whole week. It was really hot in the final. You say she's only 30, but that, you know, that's, that's older than what Vika was. Um, I don't, you know, you just don't know with her what's what's going to come next. Um, I did think it, it was it was good for the event and, and fun to have her playing well. She's somebody who, like we saw, she beat Serena. That she, you know, she's somebody who, if she can continue with this at this level, will at least be somebody dangerous at Grand Slams who can who can you know pull off pull off an upset. Somebody you know nobody's going to want to play. Yeah, you mentioned the weather, by the way, and I. You know, Miami, of course, is uh, one of the warmer places in the country right now. It is no matter what time of year uh, we're talking about. But I don't seem to remember Miami almost having oppressive heat from nearly start to finish. You, you typically, I don't think we saw too many of those Florida showers. It, it seemed like a hotter tournament than usual, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, it's it can get humid there for sure, but oh, but 
but consistently day to day, not much rain, not really any rain that, that affected the play. Um, some of the big matches were some, at some of the hottest afternoons, Djokovic and Goffin, uh, the women's final, you know, the, I think Djokovic and I think he was, I'm sure he was pleased that, that it was much, a lot cooler on, on Sunday. But no, it was a tough tournament. I think Kuznetsova said at the end, that, and I think she was right, that the women's final just wasn't as good as it could have been from the fact that, that, that both of them were played out and it was just still so hot that day. Yeah, and I think you could say the same perhaps for the men's final. I mean, is that fair to say it was, you know, I know how good Novak Djokovic is, but we really didn't get uh, a final that uh, gave us something really to was, – wasn't exactly the NCAA men's basketball final. No, Djokovic wasn't pushed. I mean, Kay just missed, you know. Djokovic didn't even didn't, – it was a lot like the women's final. Djokovic, like Azarenka, didn't start well, but he still won the first set based on the fact that the other player was worse, and and he could break him, he could break Nishikori pretty easily, and then he got better. Azarenka got better in the in the second set of the women's final, and Djokovic got better in the in the men's final. But I think Kay, yeah, Kay had played a marathon, a death march against Malfis uh, a few days earlier. He he had, then he'd beaten Kyrgios in a in a good match. Um, so I think he was, and he got hurt in the second set. So I yeah, he, I think he physically was a little compromised, but but he also you know, he didn't he didn't really rise to the occasion in that match in any way. I, I, it felt a lot like the U.S. Open final from two years ago when he when he beat Djokovic in the semis and then really didn't show up in the final. There was a little of that in this match. Kane not for whatever reason not really bringing his best in in that situation. Um, it's a fairly new situation for him. He'd only been in one other Masters final, so it's still you know part of the learning process for him. Yeah, and I, I think that's you know that's fair to say obviously you know one thing I take away from this month is you know a player like Nishikori a player like Milos Raonic too who again we're we're kind of seeing exactly where the lines are drawn and have been drawn for such a long time in the men's game um, between the tiers of of top level players and we're and we're still you know at the moment and, and and I I know that we often talk about Masters events as kind of a stepping stone and perhaps a necessary hurdle to clear for um, the group of players who who may want to uh, have have desires to kind of break through at a a bigger stage. But, you know, we are still really waiting for that, that ascension by, I think these two are perhaps the best examples. We've really seen it almost all year, particularly with Raonic, who... Um, has showed up very well at almost at every significant tournament, but uh, you know, again, we're, we're just kind of left uh, still wondering, still wanting, perhaps. Uh, you know, all credit goes to you know the players, you know, a player like Djokovic, of course, who has done them in you know before. But I, I do think that's kind of really a takeaway from this month, and maybe you know one of the other examples of you know. The more you know, on the men's side, where really not too much has changed, actually. Yeah, I think you know we've heard some people talk about how this era of the big four is ending, and now we're just down to one, which is Djokovic. I've kind of resisted that idea because Federer and Murray have both been have both been good. They haven't beaten Djokovic in the big matches, but they've both been there. 
Um, but then when you look at the Indian Wells in Miami over the last six years, uh, or last, sorry, three years, Djokovic um, has won all six of those tournaments. And the finals before this year were always against Murray, Nadal, Federer. This year, the two finals were against Raonic and Nishikori. He was sort of the last guy standing. None of the other big four um, made it that far. So you sort of feel like, is that an indication of a transition? Federer obviously was hurt. He didn't play, but he's, he'll be 35 soon. So you feel like you know, that he's not going to be around for too much longer either way. Nadal lost in the first round in Miami. Murray didn't have a great two tournaments. Um, but there's, you know, then there's still Djokovic there at number one. So I sort of start to feel like, is, are we going into a time when Djokovic is just dominant and the rest of the tour is, the rest of the ATP is transitioning a little? You sort, I sort of feel like, felt like that was, he, I felt like Djokovic was kind of on his own at, this, at these two events. I, that's the first time I've really felt like that. Yeah, I think that's a good, uh, a good observation there. And, you know, I think uh, when it comes to watching Djokovic, and I, I seem to, the the reason I sort of put him in that plane as well is I'm thinking back to when Federer and Nadal were at their peaks. And one thing I always used to look for when I was watching players' matches is I, I always felt that those guys at their absolute, the apexes of their career was if they could get a racket on the ball in any way, shape, or form, I felt totally comfortable with them winning the point, that the point was still in their in their control. Um, I feel that way with Djokovic now. I, I think it, it's it's clear that it, it takes such it, it will take such an effort from from anyone to uh, to knock him off at this stage. I think I and the thing with Djokovic to me is I think he remains. Um, as motivated as ever, and perhaps more motivated than ever. I, I think he embraces the challenge um, of living up to and perhaps exceeding Roger and Rafa, the two that came just before him. Um, I, I think he relishes this opportunity, um, you know, at the moment. I, I mean, I think the French Open, again, you know, the only thing is the pressure continues to build for him to get that. But I, th- I think that, you know, we're seeing... Uh, really, Djokovic delivering historic tennis here. I wonder if, honestly, if he could be considered the top hardcore player um, of all time already, based on based on his resume. He's actually uh, done this triple Aussie Open, Miami, Indian Wells. He's done it three times now, and like you said, it has gone uh, has won this double three years running now. So it's you know there's. You can keep, you can continue saying it, but I think we're we're witnessing again just another historic push here. Yeah, I think this tournament was impressive to me um, for Djokovic. I don't know if he ever really played his best tennis in any match. He he was good when he needed to be. He wasn't he? Didn't particularly start out well matches all that well, or or look partic- You know, he never looked all that happy on the court, but he didn't lose any sets. You know. And none of the matches were he wasn't really in danger in any of the matches, so that's that's kind of scary. Um, the one thing I would say that's like you said, that's at least interesting or maybe a problem for him is the French Open, which that'll just have a special amount of pressure no matter what. He'll be, you know, so he'll he'll be nervous for that, and that'll be that'll be different from any of these other events. And then the Olympics, which 
he wants to win a gold medal, obviously he'd be super heavily favored to win a gold medal. He's never won one. He got he was finished fourth in London in 2012. So he'll be that'll be another one that'll be a special sort of pressure. Those two tournaments, I think, that's when you'll see. You know, that'll be interesting to see how he reacts. It won't be just like winning a tournament. He's like these two, like winning another tournament. He's won a million times before. That'll be that. You know, those will be those will be interesting. And you know, just to kind of uh, wrap up a little bit here uh, in Miami, like you said. Anything else on court, match wise, player wise, that caught your eye this second week? It, it, it was the usual suspects in the end, but um, you know, anyone else in particular that uh, that kind of a little bit of a takeaway from? Obviously, you had Kyrgios, um, really. You know, I, I think I think no matter what you think of Kyrgios, you you do have to um, you know give him his kudos for for this play down here. Anything else on court in your uh, time there? Yeah, I mean, I think Kyrgios was interesting in that when he played Raonic, he could kind of con- he didn't have to do a lot of running. It was a lot of quick points, obviously, and and he could thrive in that. You know, he's beaten Raonic before, and he, even though it sounds like an upset, um, he kind of has a it's kind of a good matchup for him. And you know, you, I came away thinking from that from that match that Kyrgios is really making his move now. And then it wasn't the same against Nishikori. Nish- Kyrgios can struggle against guys who are consistent and can move him. You know, after watching Djokovic play defense down there, you, could, you just you just realize watching Kyrgios, he doesn't have that same ability, or he, he's he's got a lot of work to do in that regard. And that's such an important part of of each of a, of of the at the top level now. That that as great as his serve is, the, the defense has to has to come along in the backhand. And as for Raonic, I felt like he's. He spent so much time chasing the top guys. Um, now he he's sort of in a position, or, and you feel like he could be where he's one of those guys where he's he started to make an inroads against those guys. But then he lost to somebody like Kyrgios. This was one of the cases, one of the first cases where I felt like he was a top guy defending against a younger guy coming up, and that's part of you know that's part of being one of the big four guys, one of the, being one of the top five guys is 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 beating the younger guys, is beating these challengers, um, taking those guys on. And he, he didn't, I didn't feel like he did it. I didn't feel like he had the same kind of energy um, against Kyrgios. And, you know, I, I didn't feel like he was really ready for that sort of, that, that, that big player mentality of, of, of um, you know, sort of defending his turf. Uh, so I thought those, those two things were interesting. Yeah. You know, last thing I want to ask is something that, uh, we'll look ahead a little bit, uh, not on the court. This is off the court in Miami. And um, Djokovic, after winning the, the title, he, he um, I think, it seemed out of nowhere to me, really sort of reassured people that uh, this tournament will remain in Miami for, for years to come. It's been, it's been talked about for quite some time because of uh, local I think sort of mini conflicts in a way of, of expanding this tournament of growing it and it's inability to make that happen as that the tournament could possibly be on the chopping block in terms of uh, staying in Miami could be relocated, things of that sort. And you haven't been to this tournament in quite a few years. And I was wondering if, if the time away from this event gave you any sort of, additional perspective into you know into maybe where this event goes down the road or if there was anything you noticed 
you know, on the grounds around the event that would, you know, maybe cause you to lean one way or the other kind of about the future of um, Miami Open? Yeah, I mean, Djokovic was funny. He would, he, somebody asked him in the press conference if what he would feel like if the tournament were to move somewhere else. And basically he said, it's, I know it's not going to move, so we don't have to talk about that. So, you know, you feel like, all right, it's not going to move. He is an IMG client, and the tournament is owned by IMG, so mm-hmm. obviously he's got some information. I felt like I still like the tournament. I still think it, it belongs in Miami, and there's a great energy there. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people who love tennis there. There's, it's, you know, I think there's, more, there's younger people, more families, more um, people seem to be involved in tennis than even than in, than in Indian Wells, a much more diverse audience, I'd say, even than the U.S. Open. And, you know, more, and, and, it's, and an audience that loves tennis and really liked being out for, you know, for, for the evening matches, big crowds for, for the Kyrgios Nishikori match, big crowds for the finals, even though they weren't good. I would say that the event used to feel 10 years ago, it felt like a big, a big tennis event, a big tournament, a big sort of extravaganza. And now it doesn't. It's still because it's still basically exactly the same, and the U.S. Open and Indian Wells have gotten, as far as American tennis events, have gotten so much bigger, um, and Miami stayed the same. So now it feels like a like a smaller tournament. It doesn't have it just has the one stadium, not a huge stadium. It's a great stadium. It's it's. I think it's one of the best for night matches. Any, yeah. it might be the it might be the best actually. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think it's a, it, it's, it has a great stadium. It shouldn't get any bigger, but. Um, it has, it just has a grandstand that's temporary seating. They you know they haven't built a permanent one the way Indian Wells has. Um, so it, and everything is kind of still it hasn't been remodeled or redone. Uh, so you, you know you do feel like it's slipping in that way. But but I think still Miami is 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 the place to be for that event. Um, the, the, there's the South American connection. They have they have sponsors through sort of North America and South America Brazilian sponsors. It's still a well sponsored event still. Um, has a good owners, uh, so you know I, I still feel like it's a it's it's a great tournament. It's a shame they they don't remodel it. Um, I know that they they can't really expand much, but they should do something to to um, to redo upgrade the facilities they have now. And and you think that they would do that um, at a certain point? They're going to fall too far behind. If they're not going to move, they're going to have to do something to the grounds at Crandon Park, and you know they should. Yeah. All right. Well, we have a lot on deck this week, next week. Um, when we'll, we'll save our clay court look ahead until next week uh, after the events really move into Europe. After this week, you get Charleston, um, Houston, and, and then really it kind of shifts um, over to Europe for uh, quite a few months, as, as all you know. And, of course, there is a Masters that will uh, – start as well on Thursday always good viewing and uh, so we'll leave you with that and we'll discuss it all next week on the podcast Uh, for Steve Tigner this is Ed McGrogan thank you for listening once again you've been enjoying the tennis.com podcast for all the latest news and events head over to tennis.com 